Hello and welcome to Masterclass 12 for the Intrepid Times Private Writers Club. So one year ago, uh, we began this group with the idea that we would coach, mentor, train, and just in general help out in any way we could, budding travel writers. So people who have a real passion for travel, have stories they want to tell, perhaps they've written some pieces, but hitherto have been struggling to get their work published or that they feel that they could express their experiences in a more compelling way, whether they need help navigating the creative side of writing or the more business side of forming relationships with editors, perhaps even working towards getting an actual book published, establishing yourself, both of those aspects. And it has been quite a year. Uh, we've had writers join us from New Zealand, Australia, the UK, uh, United States, Canada, several countries in Europe, India, um, so certainly from, from all over the world, many of the, which is unusual for a kind of monthly membership programs such as this, but many of the people who joined us a year ago are still with us now. So thank you to everyone who's been part of this, whether you have joined recently or whether you've been with us from the start. Uh, it means so much to have you with us. And whenever we get an email in our inbox with a you know, request for a review from a Writers Club member, that's something we get uh, really excited about. And the recent positive feedback, uh, this is to your credit, Jennifer, since you've been doing the latest ones, uh, has been just so overwhelmingly positive. So we're, we're really happy with that. Um, today, we're going to kind of look a little bit back and a little bit forward. So as everyone listening to this, of course, knows we have been uh, in the midst of this crazy, crazy pandemic for, for over a year. And yet, despite that, we have kept publishing, this is Intrepid Times, the publication, one narrative travel story per week uh, from writers around the world. And some of these travel stories are specifically about things related to COVID-19, getting PCR tests, being in quarantine, being stranded, being stuck at home for the first time. Uh, and some have nothing to do with it at all. They are experiences that people had before COVID or, or despite it that are just kind of feel like more traditional travel stories. Uh, but one year in, it is without a doubt that this event has had a huge impact on travel writing. And although it has been a, a, just a monstrous challenge, I'm feeling optimistic that we're coming through the other side, not just in terms of one's ability to travel, but in one's ability to think about travel stories without your mind being constrained by this, one's abilities to find the travel stories uh, closer to home, find the travel stories and past memories that we can look at in a new light, uh, get excited about planning and creating trips in a new and different way, getting kind of beyond that anxiety uh, and that frustration and that kind of locked down in more ways than one state of mind and moving psychologically, if not yet for all of us physically, uh, through into the other side. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to discuss some specific examples of good travel writing. Uh, so Jen, welcome. And I want to ask you uh, to kick this off. Uh, why now at this stage of the pandemic does travel writing matter? Hi, everyone. <laughs> Jen back with Nathan here. Really great to be back from Masterclass 12. I can't believe it's been a year, Nathan. <laughs> um, so, yes. Yeah, so, obviously, it's been a very difficult year for everyone. And 
we have seen a lot of changes, I think, with the way that we engage with travel stories. I think it's just necessary, obviously. Um, I think that we've had so many experiences in the past year that have opened our minds to a new way of thinking, but also a lot that have limited the kind of stories we feel that we can tell. And I think that that's something we'll have to retrain ourselves against. Um, Kind of getting back to this normal, right, is not the normal we knew before. Um, And I think that travel is going to play a huge role in helping open ourselves up again. Um, I think this is really getting to the heart of why travel writing is going to be so important for all of us, um, why it has been important the past year, and why it will be even more important going forward and how we learn to re-engage with what's around us. Right. I want to mention, I was reading this article that I found really fascinating. I don't know why these two, I think that these two things connected in my mind because I was kind of working on preparing for this masterclass and this article happened to pop up, but it was about this idea of languishing, right? I think that's probably a word that people have heard before, Um, but in the context of COVID, it's kind of taken on this new meaning. And I think that travel writing is going to be so important in helping us escape this state of kind of languish where we're not really noticing things anymore. I think that travel, if nothing else, makes us notice, right? We can't go to a new place and hear a new language and meet new people without noticing. And I think that this is going to be really uh, important as we move forward, where we learn to interact with things around us again. I mean, I had this experience just um, a couple months ago. I went back to visit my family in the U.S. And um, where I live in Chile, um, COVID has been (laughs) rampant. Uh, We've been in lockdown here where I live since January, basically. Um, And so going back to the U.S. where there are almost no restrictions for the most part um, was very unsettling. Um, great in a lot of ways, kind of getting to interact with the world in what one would consider a more normal way, but very uncomfortable, very unsettling going from such a drastic kind of lockdown state here in Chile to going back to where things feel like people are trying to live their lives as if nothing's happening. Um, And I think that we're all going to experience that sense of kind of unsettling, right, as we get back out into the world to travel, It's going to be important, of course, to pull us out of this sense of languish. Um, But I think we are going to have to prepare ourselves to feel that kind of discomfort. I mean, we didn't feel traveling before because I think everybody listening to this, I mean, we love travel. (laughs) We thrive off of travel. Um, So, yeah, Nathan, do you have any thoughts about that? I know you've kind of been traveling really during the whole pandemic. Take more than a a global pandemic to stop me from. (laughs) <laughs> moving, moving home every 20 minutes. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, and the, the article languishing uh, was in New York Times uh, on the 19th of April, if anyone wanted to check it out. Really cool uh, read. I came across it as well. Thanks for referencing that. Um, yeah, I, I also, another word that you, that you used there that I'd like to kind of draw a line under is unsettled. And if you've been stuck at home for a year, when you finally get out on the road, you're, you're literally going to be unsettled. And while in the past, 
travel may have been associated, yes, with fear. And, and we've, you know, we, you and I published a, a book of stories by Intrepid Times contributors about fear and travel uh, that was written by the contributors before. Fear has always been part of the travel experience, but I think it's probably louder now than it used to be. Uh, excitement has always been part of the travel experience. Perhaps that is louder now than it used to be, although that can also be dampened by just all of the frustrations and uh, anxieties around the mechanics of it. I mean, in New Zealand right now, where I'm from but have not been uh, throughout, they have just, as of this week or last week, opened up a travel bubble to Australia, which is a huge deal. So New Zealand's been completely border closed, and Kiwis can now travel back and forth to Australia. And I spoke to a few people I know in New Zealand, are you excited to go to Australia? And a lot of them said, um, well, no, I'm going to wait a while, you know, I'm going to see what happens, I don't want to be stuck over there, you know, if things lock down again. Um, and that's, I'm not criticizing or judging that, that's not sensible. But there's this real sort of hesitancy. And I think in our minds, the negative consequences of travel have really negative potential consequences, that is to say the potential dangers and annoyances and frustrations that have always been part of the experience have been made a lot louder. And one of the things that travel writing can do, both for yourself as a writer and for a reader of things others have written, and for others as a writer when you're conveying your experience, is to capture the core meaning and purpose of the experience beyond that. So, yeah, it, it's scary and messy and weird and inconvenient and, and you got stuck here and you got stuck there, but then you have that moment at that small street-side cafe when that you know, local came and spoke to you or you observed this thing that reminded you of that experience and then you, you felt it. And I, I think cutting through that noise and going to the heart of why travel truly matters is a role that travel writing has always had. And I think it's more important now than uh, ever before. Right. And I think that this is going to be important. I think travel writing has always been important in helping us reflect, right? We come back from experiences and it could be even decades later. I mean, we've seen people write stories that they had when they were 20 and now they're 60, right? And so I think travel writing has always been this vehicle for reflection. Um, I think that now it's going to be that, but on a larger scale. Um, I think that we often use travel writing to reflect on specific travel experiences and what those mean to our life in general. I think now it's going to be reflecting on just how the world in general has changed and what that means for our lives. So I think this scope of reflection has widened. And I think travel writing is going to be really important, um, helping us tap into those changes and what that means for us personally and for our travel experiences. Um, I think that tapping into these new perspectives that people are going to have coming out of lockdown and quarantine, right? We need to develop almost a new sense of empathy with everyone we meet around the world now. You have a very interesting opportunity here because almost everyone we meet now when we travel is going to have some similar experience from COVID, right? We're going to have a new way of connecting with them. Something that we can say, oh yeah, COVID was horrible for me. How was it for you? Right. And everybody's going to have an answer. 
that doesn't happen very often, right? Where the whole world has a kind of shared experience. So I think this is a very interesting and almost positive opportunity, right? To use this as a form of connection with the people we meet and the places we go and learning how other people have seen that experience and how their country and their lives have been changed by it and how that's going to affect just how we interact with the world as we travel. Oh, 100%. I think that's really interesting. And I think in maybe a slightly more superficial level, but uh, how countries react to government interventions and narratives on COVID often teaches you a lot about the place. So um, I recently spoke to uh, someone I met here in in Tbilisi, where where I am, where compliance with regulations is high, but nowhere near as high as it was in Western Europe. And he had just traveled here from Bulgaria. And he said that compliance with regulations there was zero. The government can't get people to even wear a mask because no one trusts the government there. That's just endemic. That's just how it always is. And they seem to always have good reason for not doing that. And, and that can kind of teach you something about a place. So um, perhaps not necessarily a positive thing for the people there, um, for their experience, but it, but it can segue into other insights that go beyond this uh, one common touch point. I think it was cool what you said about uh, having empathy for other people. And I think something connected to that is that for many folks uh, who have been at home over the last year, even though we speak to people on the internet and, and all of that, have kind of had our social circles narrowed, often often by force of law narrowed, who we can meet with in person. And whilst the internet is a great communication tool, we can kind of select who we interact with online, and we all know it's well documented how social media platforms create an echo chamber uh, for us among people with similar perspectives. So a lot of folks haven't had those chance meetings when you're uh, in a bar or on a train or in a bus and some local or some fellow traveler, but from a different part of the world, engages you in conversation or you engage them in conversation or you get invited to some gathering and you meet different people and you hear different perspectives, hear people who have completely divergent worldviews from you with regards to COVID or anything else. And whilst online, it's very easy to say or think of someone who has different perspectives than you, oh, this person is just a moron or is evil or both. Um, (laughs) When you're in person with someone and you can see them and they're actually quite nice, um, maybe you can be inspired to have a bit of empathy and to engage in their perspective. And even if you don't change your own mind, it's very useful uh, for your development as a traveler and a writer to tune into alternative perspectives because there really is like so much um, almost conformity in certain communities among how certain things can be discussed. And I don't really want to make this a political recording, but I, I do think that travel as a gateway to alternative perspectives and just seeing how other people think without judgment and experiencing a new opinion or an idea that contradicts with ideas that you hold, not as something to be opposed or quashed, but as just another travel experience in the same way that a different way of eating food or getting around a city uh, is a 
travel experience. And I think that alone uh, is going to be just a huge benefit. And I think something people can be really uh, sensitive to. Right. So I think as we begin to re-engage more with travel and travel writing, right, this is something we really should lean into. I think it's something people kind of naturally maybe shy away from as we get kind of started with travel again, um, because it's going to be uncomfortable. I think we've been kind of within our own little bubbles for so long um, that hearing these new ways of thinking and trying to re-engage with those in a meaningful way is going to feel a little, I mean, to harken back to the word we'd used before, unsettling, right? And I think that as travel writers, we really need to push that back into our stories um, for our own sake and for the sake of others um, to develop that greater sense of empathy that I think we all need right now. 100%. Okay, so we're going to speak now a little bit about the travel writing that we have seen uh, coming through our inbox. And the way that that writing has dealt with the situation of the pandemic and how that has evolved over the course of the, of the 12 months. I remember um, early on in this, I think it was during uh, lockdown number one, some, uh, I won't name any names, but a, a very uh, experienced veteran travel writer who has just had stuff published on Intrepid Times as well as you know, every publication you can name, wrote me an email, I can't remember it verbatim, but my, my recollection of it is something to the effect of like, you know, well, why are you bothering to still publish travel stories? There aren't going to be any more travel stories. Uh, and I, I think I wrote back something like, thank you for your opinion. Uh, but there weren't travel stories. Um, one of the things I think we encouraged early on was for people to, when when you can't, go outside, go inside, look back on past experiences and reconnect with why they mattered. And then when the COVID stuff kind of progressed a little bit, it, it was clear that, that it was its own experience. And I, I think I was very clear, we were very clear with our editorial policy that we don't really want opinions of this right now, certainly not in the beginning. We want just immediate experiences because look, we're still in this, and, and I hope that light is shining through the clouds. It seems so, certainly at the time of speaking, but uh, this thing is something that beyond what many of us, certainly me, anticipated, something that we don't have equipment to deal with and understand. So writing of it as if it was something that happened and then is over and can now be analyzed from a safe distance is not possible now, may not be for a long time. Um, so what is valuable, though, is, you know, one individual's immediate experience written in a simple and effective way. So we started to encourage stories of that nature to come in as well. Um, so we had the kind of direct experiences there as well as people's memories of past travel experiences. And then a lot of those stories actually kind of cool, creative things started happening more recently, I think. Whereas those kind of stories kind of began to merge together. And we'll discuss some examples of that soon. But why don't you give me your thoughts, Jan, of the kind of stuff that we've seen uh, through the inbox since March 2020? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was just saying that date. Um, it puts into perspective how long we've been in all this. Um, so, yeah, I was 
very happy to see that people were still willing to engage uh, with travel writing during all of this. Because, I mean, I love to travel and I would travel any chance I get. And I just haven't been able to besides a quick trip back to the U.S. see my family. I imagine many people are in the same boat, right, where we just haven't had the opportunity to get out. Um, and I'm glad that people showed resilience and really mining for experiences from their immediate circumstances or from past travel experiences. Um, and yeah, I do agree that I think recently um, we've seen some really fascinating things happening um, with travel writing. I think we've seen, I think it's coming more from a reliance on imagination, right? Where people are having to kind of fill in the gaps of what they can't do right now. Um, and I think that this, idea of imagination works in travel writing in a lot of ways in general, right? We look back on past experiences and maybe we don't remember every single detail of how that experience felt or who we met or what their names were, right? Um, and imagination, I think, does play a role in helping us fill in those gaps naturally. Um, I think it's just become a more important factor in the writing we're seeing today, right? where we're having to imagine the things that we can't see and also imagine the things we can, but in the new world we're living in that we still don't really understand yet. Um, we saw a great example of this. Uh, I think it was published two or three stories ago um, by Joe Novara. And this experience actually happened before COVID-19 was a thing. Um, but he had this really fascinating experience where he gets locked in his apartment. Um, I think his wife leaves without kind of leaving him the key. So he just can't leave. Um, and the title of that story is Locked In. I recommend that everybody go read it. Um, I just want to read a very short kind of snippet of this just to give you an idea um, before I talk about it a little bit. So this part, he says, I follow the chainsaw rasp of the scooter as it jukes and slides along the seams of steady traffic on the way to SS1 Aurelia in the Tuscan Hill Country. Won't be seeing that either. The flowing soft rhythms of vineyards and orchards where patches of ochre soil link red tiled rooftops and earth toned walls to their roots. So, again, that's just a couple of sentences from that story. Um, but this is the general idea where he sees something from his window or from a balcony, I think, where he is. And he's kind of forced into imagining the places that these other people will see or the things that these other people will do that he just can't experience because of his situation. And I really loved this story for a lot of reasons, right? I think that it connected just so well to COVID, even though this happened before COVID was a thing. Right. This idea of being locked in a place and having to um, use other people's experiences to kind of fill in our own. Um, and the way that he does it so beautifully, he includes so many details of things that we know that we could see and just can't. And so you really feel like you get the sensory experience, which I think is such a big part of travel writing. Right. That's how we are able to tap into other people's experiences through travel writing. It's one reason that I personally love it, right? These places that I hear about through travel writing, the things that people smell and see and feel, um, it puts me there, even if for only a few moments at a time, um, which has been especially important during um, times of quarantine. And so 
I think that this reliance on the things that we can't see or won't see for a long time um, has just been a new thing um, that we've seen more and more during uh, times of COVID. Um, do you have any thoughts about that, Nathan? Um, I think you you kind of said it all there. I don't I don't think I have anything massively to add on that. I, I love that story by Joe Navarra uh, that you emphasized. And yeah, what you said earlier about people still being willing to engage with travel writing. And that was also a real fear of myself that do people want to read about an experience that they are at the moment deprived of? And it seems that people did. I mean, our readership with Intrepid Times um, is stronger now than it was in March 2020. Um, the rate of growth did slow during the initial lockdown, um, but it regained traction since, and this community has really come together. Um, I think reading contemporary pieces, so pieces written that tackle the current situation, um, can be quite reassuring, as can pieces like uh, Joan of Arras locked in story that kind of discuss parallel experiences that even don't even, as you say, don't even mention the pandemic were written or set uh, before it, but can help connect this particular weird and crazy experience to other things that travelers uh, encounter, which uh, I, I think is quite useful. I think there's a sense of grounding that we get from that that we haven't really been able to feel recently. I almost feel like we're just kind of floating through life right now, just kind of waiting for things to get back to a place that we can grasp in a meaningful way. Um, and I think that stories like Joe's and many that we've seen coming in recently um, try to connect what we've been experiencing to other things that uh, we've experienced in the past, right? So it doesn't feel so intangible. It feels like something we can use to ground ourselves in the moment and how we move forward, kind of getting just even a little bit of a foothold um, to try to kind of walk into this new world we're going to find. Um, and I think that something else we've seen is really this, I mean, we've been spending, I think, as individuals so much time with ourselves. Um, and so I think something I've seen in the stories that I'm publishing um, the past year is more of an awareness of kind of who is experiencing these things, right? Ourselves. And what that means for what we're noticing, right? How our own past experiences and our future hopes and dreams and all of that combined, how that really shapes the way we write and the things we notice and the way we engage with our senses. Um, I think that sometimes beginning travel writers, um, they like to rely a lot on the I, right? This idea of I did this, I experienced this. But I think that when you grow as a travel writer, 
you move away from the eye, but you move closer to how the eye, how your experiences, your personality, um, everything that you've seen and done in the past, how that informs um, the way that you tell your own stories. So you may move away from the eye, but you move closer to an awareness of how you are affecting what you're sharing with others. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that as well, Nathan. Yeah, I, I think that's really cool because this is a time in which people are perhaps more um, sensitive than usual, I think, to communications. And I've found that, I mean, oh, the re responses to things that we put out with Intrepid Times is, is overwhelmingly positive. Um, you get the odd cranks, and if any of you are listening to this, we know who you are. Um, but <laughs> I found that there is, I think, almost a self-censorship going on, which I had a, a long time Intrepid Times uh, reader, uh, a mutual uh, acquaintance of ours, uh, Jen, who remarked to me that he mentioned in some correspondence with someone he was doing work with that he was he had traveled from his home in America to uh, Europe quite recently, and this particular business contact did not respond. And the, this friend of ours, this Intrepid Times reader, was really nervous that perhaps he offended this person by admitting, as if it was something immoral, that he had actually traveled throughout uh, COVID. I, I know many people like myself who have been traveling, you know, within the bounds of all legal restrictions and tests and all that uh, throughout. And I, I know many people who have chosen not to, and I, I respect that as an individual's personal choice. But the idea that our, the way we choose to live our own lives as individuals and the way we choose to describe them, perhaps distinctly, uh, might be the cause of offense or upset or harm to others, has been a part of the landscape here. And I think that can be very damaging to writers. And there's possibly a point we need to finesse here, which is that throughout many of the early masterclasses, we've spoken a lot about how good writing is often created from an awareness of the reader. So if a writer is utterly obsessed with themselves and their own experiences and says, I, 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 um, then the reader is unlikely to have a good experience. Whereas a very good writer takes the reader by the hand and leads you, the reader, on this adventure with the writer. And you stop thinking that you're reading something and then you are walking with them, seeing what they see, hearing what they hear, feeling what they feel. And the, that is not created by accident. Writers work on how to create that experience. And we've spoken about that extensively on past masterclasses, which are available for current and new members in the archives. But there is a balance here as there is with everything, because an oversensitivity to, or oh, is this going to offend someone? What if this is wrong? What if people judge me for this? What if people judge me for that? It's very natural, but it's very, very damaging. So one has to write beyond that. One has to accept that there is going to be criticism and there is going to be 
people saying, how dare you be traveling or you're, you're crazy for thinking this or that was complete crap or, or what have you. And that hurts and that sucks, but that's part of the process. So I think there are a couple of avenues of thinking about this. One is that not everyone out there is your reader. Not every person who happens to stumble across your story is the reader that you have in, had in mind. Another is that expressing something that is really true for you in, in a way that uh, you are passionate about is important as is thinking about the mechanics of how that is going to be received from the reader. So think about the reader almost in that tactical level. How are you going to express this? When are you going to introduce this detail? Where are you going to begin this narrative? But you don't necessarily have to think of the reader from the outset, from a bigger picture, strategic level. What do I believe? What am I going to say? What story moved me the most? That choice remains utterly with you as the writer. So don't be afraid, I, I suppose, would be the, the answer there. I, I wish someone had told me that many years ago. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I think this is actually a good segue into the next thing we want to talk about, because we're kind of getting into talking about um, what we kind of expect to see. Um, so I think let's go ahead and jump there. Like the expectations for what we expect to see in the coming year years <laughs> um, for travel writing. Um, right. We're talking about this idea already that we expect people to kind of struggle with um, their own truths. Um, right. And how they express those um, in the coming weeks, months, years, um, as it may be. And I think that we're going, I was reading an article recently, um, and I don't remember where it was, but it was talking about how, right, these moments of quarantine where we're forced to just kind of sit at home um, often has a way of clarifying our lives in ways that we don't often get. Right. We have so much time to think about where we are and what we're doing um, and what we want from life that there is a sense of kind of clarity that I think a lot of us are actually fearful of because it may be so different from what we expected to find in these moments of um, kind of sadness and frustration and anger Um and I think that many of us may find ourselves not trusting those moments of clarity. Um, but I think those are going to be really important for travel writing moving forward because that's going to inform the way that we see ourselves in the world and how we engage with it and what we really want for ourselves and um, how we want to treat other people. And so many aspects of that, right, where we're admitting to ourselves the truths of our own life and what we want to see for ourselves. Um, I don't know why I thought of that article specifically right now, but I think it does um, play a role in moving forward with travel writing where we have to right, be honest with ourselves before we can be honest with a reader. Um, I don't know, have you felt like you've kind of found these moments of clarity, Nathan? I know you've been traveling, right, more than many of us have. Um, Maybe you haven't had as many of those uh, chances to just kind of sit and reflect, but I imagine you've had something similar happening, right? 
Yeah, I think so. I, I have been traveling throughout, but in a weird sort of way. So, so recently, I've, I normally live my life where I have a base somewhere, uh, most recently in Europe, most recently uh, Budapest for about a year or so, and then I you know, work there, hang my hat there, and branch off and travel from there as much as possible. But my partner and I had just moved out of our home and gone to Albania to work remotely for a month, just as all of this hit. So throughout all of this, we never had a home, so to speak. We had all our stuff with us. So it's been more, less like travel and touristing and you know going to places for a weekend or a week than normal. But it's been a more of a peripatetic, unanchored, unsettled life than normal. And that combined with all of the, you know, the work pressures that, that we're under and, and my work outside of Intrepid Times involves writing and publishing, which has been exciting and challenging uh, in equal measure um, throughout. So I, I think, yeah, reflective time for me has been really lacking this year. Actually, now I'm in Georgia, I, I'm really wanting to carve out some of that time. I, I was able to eke out that piece, I think, late last year, uh, learning how to travel again. And that kind of explored how I felt when I first went traveling seriously and independently when I was a teenager and contrasted that with uh, how things had been with me before the pandemic when it was pretty, perhaps I had lost some of that initial crazy giddy spark and how the challenges of, among COVID were helping me in a way to find that back. And I think that was more of a mission statement. It was written in quite an aspirational way. Um, I've received a really interesting feedback on it from people who said that's kind of helped them rationalize, uh, for want of a better word, the travel experience now. Um, so yeah, to, to your bigger point, I, I agree that good writing begins in the in the mind and, and it begins with how we think about things. Often this clarity can only be achieved through writing. So I think folks shouldn't feel paralyzed at the keyboard thinking, oh, I don't have clarity, then I can't write. Write through the mess um, and you might achieve clarity as a result or, or you might not, um, but at least you've written something. Yeah, I think the most important thing right now is to, I mean, I feel like many of us just haven't really been engaging with writing on maybe the level that we had before, right? Some of us are trying to um, write, but before we may have been writing, I don't know, two or three stories a month, and now we're writing, I don't know, one story every other month. Um, whether it's because we lack motivation or travel experience or just because we feel um, our lives are too complicated to sit at a keyboard right now and try to push through um, to discover something in a piece of travel writing. Um, whatever the case may be, I feel like it's been more difficult recently to write. Um, and so I feel like going forward, yeah, the most important thing is to just get something down. Um, it's likely that if you haven't been writing as much that you're going to struggle for the first couple stories, right? Um, getting back into the swing of things, um, re-engaging with uh, travel writing in a meaningful way. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you write a couple of stories and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I don't like these. What am I doing? That's OK for right now. Um, getting back to patterns of writing and 
that specific way of thinking is just going to be a really important step right now and something that you're just going to have to lean into. Um, so yeah, right through the mess, as Nathan says, uh, if you find something great, awesome. If you don't, that's okay too, because that's the stepping stone on the way to something great. Um, so don't worry about that if you find that to be the case as well. I agree. And, and, and the pieces don't have to capture some great, profound, eternal truth about how we're all intimately connected. Um, <laughs> no matter where we live, it can just be a bit of fun. Um, which kind of brought an idea to mind, Jen, is that whilst I do passionately believe in all the things we've, we've discussed now about the ways in which this experience unlocks more from the potential of travel and enhances its importance, I do wonder a little bit that, as well as that, that what we certainly will see, there's also probably going to be a, a lot of that kind of travel that, well, there's absolutely nothing wrong with, um, doesn't traditionally lend itself to uh, the creation of good travel literature, package, tour, package tours to uh, everything arranged for you in English, hotel by the beach, uh, stag do's, in the tourist bar street of Budapest, uh, all of that kind of, I guess, travel as entertainment and convenient entertainment rather than discovery. And I, I also, I just want to point out that there's nothing wrong with that kind of travel. I have done both um, and it's fine. But I, I guess that I think we are going to be seeing a lot of that as travel, as people. Um, Kind of a, a metaphor could be that if you, if you travel in the developing world, particularly in Asia, you will see that wealthy people uh, buy brand name items, brand name clothes, technology, uh, cars, shoes, uh, handbags, because when you don't know what you're doing in a, in a world because, you know, your, your parents are farmers and now you're rich, you gravitate towards uh, things that are perceived as reputable, things that are known, things that are perceived as safe, things that you won't be judged for, things that you won't uh, experience danger or, or uncertainty in. And I think for many folks, young, young and old, rediscovering travel, uh, easing themselves in through these very structured, perhaps not super imaginative, uh, not super adventurous traditionally, Ways, I, I think we're going to see a lot of that. Um, and I think that's just fine too. And as long as that, uh, it probably isn't a problem for the folks listening to this. But I think it's useful to see that as a stepping stone to something more, to knowing that there is greater stuff out there, for not being afraid. And if that's what you want to do, to just, you know, to experience what it's like to take your passport as you walk out the door, to experience what it's like to be in a foreign country where they don't speak your language to experience what it's like to fly on a plane for the first time in a year and a half or two years or whatever it may be. Uh, that's cool. And you can even write about that, you know? Right. I think that if we do see more of these experiences happening, where these more structured travel experiences that people, like you said, will likely be gravitating towards for a while. Um, I think that, acknowledging why we're doing that and exploring that through travel writing through this kind of sense of introspection that I feel like a lot of people have found um, in the past year in their writing, right? Where we're, like I said, we're spending so much time by ourselves and reflecting on life. Um, 
I think that this idea of introspection is going to be something that carries for a while, right? Where we've become so intimate with our own minds. Um, that's not something that's going to disappear right away um, in our writing. I think that having an awareness of how we're using that as we re-engage with travel is going to be very important in constructing travel writing, um, the way that we re-engage with these stories again. And I mean, asking tough questions of ourselves, right? I think that we've kind of discovered many tough questions already that we need to be asking of both ourselves and the world. Um, but then the way that we answer those questions through travel and through what we write. Um, maybe that feels a little vague, um, but I feel like everything kind of feels a little vague right now. Everything's a bit of a hypothetical in this moment. Um, but the way that travel writing can lend itself to answering questions that we may not even know we needed to ask um, and having an awareness of that as we kind of take maybe these safe steps back into travel. Yeah, yeah, and vagueness is you know part of it now. I mean, it's, it's all very uncertain, and, and I don't think that prognostications that are too specific are going to have much value. We know that there is going to be uncertainty, and we can see a few likely patterns. And arming yourself as a traveler to navigate this uncertainty through the things that we've discussed is kind of... I think the only the only way in which we can be of use, uh, and then you know a world with with a map is not yet uh, drawn, and that that itself is is exciting in a way, although it is worrying. You you really are when you set out your front door, going to discover a changed world, and there hasn't been an opportunity to do that uh, in a very very long time. So that's exciting uh, in, in its own way, and we hinted about some of those aspects earlier. Um, Jen, shall we dive in and speak about a few of our picks for the favorite pieces that uh, have come in to Intrepid Times and been published on Intrepid Time uh, since uh, the dreaded uh, <laughs> 03 20 um, date? <laughs> Yeah, no, perfect. Let's dive into this. Um, I think this is going to be particularly interesting um, for the listeners because I think moving forward, right, we need specific examples to look to to kind of understand how we can shape our stories now. Um, and some of these are not necessarily stories from the pandemic, right, but they do relate to how we can think about experiences after the pandemic. So, yeah, um, I will go ahead and start if that's okay with you, Nathan. Yes, please do. Okay, so the first one that I want to point out, and we will be linking to these um, in the workbook, so I do suggest uh, reading through these, uh, maybe even before you listen to this section, so maybe go pause and check out these stories. Um, the first one that I want to talk about is called African Insomnia, and this one was by, sorry, I didn't write down the author's name, Mark Blickley. Um, beautiful story. I Loved this piece the moment I saw it. Um, so this story is about a lot of things. And I think we've mentioned it in past masterclasses, honestly. Um, but this one is about this man who um, doesn't sleep, right? He doesn't like being out during the daytime. Um, so he kind of wakes up in the evening and goes out and has this experience of kind of seeing the nightlife 
of this place where he is, which is in Africa. And the reason I picked this one out, um, so this one was published in December of 2020, um, but it has nothing to really do with the pandemic, right? It's not about a pandemic experience. I think this actually happened many, many years ago um, when this writer was um, a younger man. But I like the way that this story relies so much on observation, um, which I think is going to be so essential as we re-engage with travel, right? Because we haven't really been observing a lot of new things recently, probably, right? For those of us who've kind of been in in quarantine for the most part, um, where we, like I mentioned before, we haven't really been forced to notice um, or to uh, engage with new sights, sounds, smells, whatever it may be. And so this idea of observation, I think, is going to be so essential in our travel writing, Um, registering kind of the strangeness of this new world, um, as this writer does in this story, where he's awake during a time when most people normally wouldn't be. um, Right. He's aware of this world that's often hidden to many people um, where these there is a lot of action and movement happening in this story because it's a very kind of bustling town um, where there's people selling things and people at bars and people kind of just roaming the streets, right? Teenagers drinking on the sidewalk Um, and kind of the strangeness of seeing this world that most of us aren't even aware of. And I think that that just hearkens to probably what we're likely to find uh, when we get back out and travel, where everything's just going to feel like it's something we shouldn't be seeing, (laughs) right? Something that's been hidden to us for so long. Um, This writer, I think that there's a sense that when he was in the middle of this experience, right, it was almost as if he was a passive observer. He doesn't seem to want to engage much with those around him there's a sense of kind of willful disconnection but in this story right there is this idea of really um turning that kind of passive observation into active observation where he looks back on these things and decides to engage with those memories in a very kind of specific pointed way and chooses connection later right and i think these ideas of disconnection and connection and appearance and disappearance, I mean, are all things that we can kind of uh, relate to right now and things we'll be processing in really new ways um, as the future comes to pass. Um, But just this idea of choosing to see what's around us, I think is going to be really important. I think that our brains right now are just kind of on this um, plane where they are kind of set to disconnect, right? Because everything has been maybe so overwhelming for us. And so registering the things that are around us, it sounds so simple, but I don't think it's going to be very simple once we get back out into the world. Um, Being aware of that and how we um, relay that through our travel stories. Um, So yeah, this one I think is just, it's a really wonderful example to look to. Um, as we start travel writing again, um, or travel writing more in uh, in the coming months, years, weeks, maybe as it may be. Um, so yeah, Nathan, do you have any thoughts about that, or do you want to share uh, one of your examples? Uh, my, my examples are related, so I'll, I'll do mine in one hit. 
uh, after your selections. But yeah, if anyone hasn't yet read that, it, it's great fun. And it uh, really captures that almost grumpy uh, perspective <laughs> and that, that, that sense of dissociation uh, that we often feel when, when overseas and not necessarily loving any minute, every minute of it and not necessarily being you know, enthralled in a positive way but finding almost a abstract artistic beauty in that too. I uh, definitely recommend people uh, give it a read. Yeah, so the second example I have, um, the title is Finding Solace in a Tokyo Bookshop. And this one was by, I didn't write down the name of the author, uh, David McElhinney. <laughs> um, I'm probably butchering that, McElhinney. Really wonderful story. Um, this one actually did happen during COVID. So this is really a COVID experience, right? Um, where this is an expat living in Tokyo. Um, and he has been essentially in lockdown for the most part, um, hasn't really been able to get out much. And this story is about him kind of making the sh very short trek um, to a secondhand English bookstore in Tokyo. And this, I think, is just one of the best examples I've seen of how people have started to rethink travel during COVID, um, where how David is able to find something new close to home, see it in the way that it is familiar because it's in a city he's lived in for so long, but the experience itself right, lends itself to this sense of travel, right? This feeling of travel where he's meeting new people, right? He's having a very kind of strange, um, not necessarily awkward, just new kind of in an unexpected way, experience of kind of getting drunk in a bookstore. And it's funny, it's clever, it's interesting, right? And it's all those things that we find a lot in travel stories. And the way that he's able to see this kind of everyday activity going to a bookstore, um, and through this piece is able to make it feel like travel. I mean, he very likely he didn't travel more than half an hour to this place. Um, and it's a city again that he's been in for a long time, but he's able to kind of cultivate that newness that I feel like we're all craving. And we have seen quite a few stories. I think Nathan is going to mention um, one or two also below that um, where people are trying to engage with places close to home um, in new ways. And I think that's so valuable, even as we kind of crave these kind of faraway places um, and crazy, strange experiences with new languages and people we have no nothing in common with, right? Um, but I think this is something really valuable that we should carry through even after the pandemic, where we appreciate the experience we have close to home and the way that those can feel special, even though, right, it's something somewhat familiar to us. Um, seeing the way that those inform um, who we are and the world around us um, and the future that we see for ourselves in travel. Um, so again, really wonderful story. I recommend everybody take a look at that one. Um, the imagery in that story is particularly strong. So also, I think we've, we've done a masterclass on uh, imagery and description and everything. We talk about that a lot in these master classes. This is a great example of that as well. Um, so yeah, really, really wonderful story for everybody to take a look at. Yeah, two two really cool examples. And um, that 
characters are real. They're really pieces of travel writing. They are, and one was written about an experience far before COVID. One was written about one in it, but they they both capture that kind of spirit, that excitement, uh, which I loved. Um, for mine, I, I suppose I'll give it just emphasize or, or revisit something we discussed before, which is that we have published some stories, not a bunch, but a fair few that are on purely COVID experiences. So, so the stories you discussed, one of them mentions the pandemic, but it wasn't just about it. We've published a few on someone getting a PCR test and calculating the time uh, on either side of it that they can travel. Someone trying to get a refund from uh, what appears to be an unscrupulous uh, travel agent. Things that are really only specific to this one moment and maybe not necessarily, although those stories have both been popular, not necessarily um, things that all of us necessarily want to look to read now because they're not necessarily inspirational travel stories. They're not going to get the one wanderlust uh, going. Uh, they're not going to make you want to you know, discover a new place because they're they're not intended to do that. One of the reasons I published them was kind of with an eye to the future, or we published them, sorry, was kind of with an eye to the future that maybe in five years' time or ten years' time, these will serve as a record as how people actually lived, what was going on, what were the challenges of the immediate day-to-day, -day. so an idea that they would kind of serve as a historical record there. So the, the pieces I've selected are a little bit different in that they engage with the COVID reality directly, but it go beyond it too. And the reason I've selected two stories, because to me, in a, in a way, they almost form a progressive part of how, I don't know, the, the collective brain of the Intrepid Times uh, travel writer has evolved uh, throughout this process. And, and the first came through in August last year. So this is when... Much of the world, I think, was still in lockdown 1.0. We didn't really know what was going on. And uh, it's by Emma Dredge, who has written a couple of pieces for us. Her story, uh, Coffee in Kigali, was one of our competition winners. Uh, this piece is called Travel Through Windows. And it's not so much a travel story, and, and it's almost not really something that we would normally publish. But I found it very meaningful in the way that she is a traveler who is unable, unable to travel and is unable to get out into the world. But the, the only insight she has on the world uh, are windows. And she kind of explores that idea um, with references to everyone from uh, Rapunzel to Confucius, how windows can allow us to see out into the world even if we are not able to go out into the world. And I thought that was really useful. Like Even when we're locked in, keep our focus external as much as we possibly can. And then more than six months later, so uh, in April this year, so just recently, as the pandemic's been far more advanced and we've thought about this more and dealt with this more and put up with a lot more, uh, there came uh, your story, uh, Jennifer, just recently published, which we titled Memory and Isolation in a Santiago Hotel. And that's situated in your very recent experience, uh, in the author's very recent experience, uh, in you know quarantine lockdown hotel. But it's not just about that. You know what's it like to be in a quarantine hotel in San Diego? It's about 
you looking out the window and seeing the the neighbor across the street and kind of musing about his life and it's about you reflecting on the journey that you had just made um, and your your thoughts about that and it ties all of that together within the broader context of what we've been going through and it really hit me that that story that you wrote that is about travel experiences that have happened throughout COVID is about being in this weird experience of the lockdown hotel is about travel through windows uh, so thinking about looking out you know beyond where you are and there's about this whole broader COVID experience as well and your perspectives on it I don't think it would have been possible for a piece like that to have been written six months ago or, or, or maybe even three months ago I think I kind of for me that kind of felt like a breakthrough moment I'm like right people are starting to figure out how to how to talk about this stuff I think that's true, right? We're getting to a point now where we've been in this so long that our minds have settled into the new way we're living now, where it doesn't feel like something we're just desperate to get out of, right? Because yes, we are, but we're also at the point where we know that we just kind of have to wait it out now. And we've settled into this new reality with kind of a sense of um, frustration and anger, but also a sense of kind of calm acceptance of this is just the way it is right now. I and mean, what that means for the way that we have to think about things now, um, a sense of nostalgia, um, but also a sense of hope or um, not really being willing to engage with hope yet. Um, I think that is something that we're seeing more now where people are resigned, but in a hopeful way. Um, there is no really easy way to explain that, I feel. None, none of this is easy to explain, and, and that's that's why we need writers. Uh, if it was easy to explain, we'd all be out of a job. So, <laughs> that's, um, yeah, there's, there's so, so much to, to wrestle with. Um, but we are at a very different point psychologically as travel writers now than we were a year ago or, or six months ago. And we're beginning to engage as travel writers with the world, uh, the world as it is, to, to use that stolen uh, expression. So I think that is quite a good place to leave this. We've kind of traced the journey from that date I shall not mention till today. I strongly encourage everyone listening to this to check out those four stories that we've mentioned, uh, five that we've mentioned throughout this. Links will be provided with the workbook sent to members. Uh, as always, to Intrepid Times, Writers Club members, send us your questions, comments, feedback, and suggestions for the next masterclass. Please keep sending in your stories for our review. Uh, we love doing that. And uh, actually, one Writers Club member is about to have their piece published uh, really soon, thanks to uh, the teamwork between Jennifer and the author. So that's really exciting. And let's keep traveling and, and writing about it, no matter what's, no matter what's going on. Yeah, everyone, uh, just I'm going to sign off here encouraging you right? get back to writing, even if you've kind of put it to the side for the past year. Um, it's never too late to take up the pen again, or in this case, a uh, keyboard, <laughs> which is more likely. Um, get back to it. It's going to feel uncomfortable for a while, um, and that's OK. Right. Lean into that. Start engaging with the world as it is and with hope that you get to engage with the world in ways that you 
um, want in the future, right? Get to experience new things and start noticing and get away from that sense of um, being trapped, right? We're all in this together um, and we're going to be able to get out into the world again soon. So start writing, um, get yourself back into the, the routine of it. And uh, we look forward to seeing what you come up with in the coming months.